From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. I am Scott Armstrong and I'm going to introduce some other worthless servants that are around this table with me. Uh, and we're excited again about the topic today. But first of all, to my left, Natalie Franco. Hi, guys. Across from me, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. Man in the ones and twos, AJ Fry. <laughs> Hello. Ones, twos, threes, and fours, actually. <laughs> yes. I don't even know what that means. Oh. Uh, and t- <laughs> to my right, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, there is a cow-bison hybrid, <laughs> and it is called beefalo. Is this true? <laughs> this is so true. And guess what, Scott? Guess what, Scott? You can buy the meat in 21 states. Really? In Kansas? Beefalo. I'll send you the link. <laughs> yes, please, please. What's even funnier is this picture that she has of it. Oh, that's not. Come on. <laughs> the picture's not real. The picture is half cow, half buffalo. Like literally split in half. Yeah, like yes. Photoshopped. <laughs> yes. Half of a cow with its head and then a buffalo backside. <laughs> buffalo. But, I, I wondered how, where you're going with that. Yeah. My, but my, my source this week is is Reader's Digest. So oh, it's a oh. reputable... Oh, that's legit. I thought you were going to say okay. beefalo.com. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buy that buy that right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what a buffalo is? Uh, I think so. I don't know what a buffalo is. Are you serious? Is that Get true? out of like, here. Like, people from Kansas, that's here. offensive. Yeah. For you to say wait, that wait, you wait, don't is, know what a buffalo is. Is it the same is. thing as a bison? Not same, yes, it but it it's is. almost. It says, okay, so off mic... We just had a whole conversation about buffalo and bison, and so sorry if there's a little glitch in our audio, <laughs> but it's important to know buffalo and bison, not the same thing, even though this is called beefalo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm telling you folks, that was extra today. That, that, <laughs> you, that was not the price of admission. We gave that for free. I, want, I actually want to see what a real picture of the crossbreed looks like. Not I do that too. I do photoshopped too. version, but... Yes. Well, I mean, there are certain days, folks, when I have no clue how to segue, and this is one of them. (laughs) Um, We are going into a text that we love, uh, and we love calling this the Scripture Spotlight. About every five, six uh, episodes, we're able to just highlight a a passage, and this is what we call the Scripture Spotlight. So every five, six episodes, then we really take a passage uh, from the Bible that has missional implications and has other ministry implications, and we draw those out. We're excited to do that right now. And so we, we've talked about this previously. This is, there was no way to faithfully cut this chapter. So we're going to read the whole chapter. We're going to start with the first 10 verses of 1 Samuel 3. Ah, oh, the calling of Samuel. Um, and so I will read those. The first 10 verses, we'll talk about that, and then we'll finish with the, uh, the last uh, 10, 11 verses as well. We should have done a dramatic reading of this. That's where we missed the boat. AJ was just talking about this before we started uh, recording. That he, was, he was taught as a child to be dramatic every time he read the word. Every time I recited scripture, so I memorized for Bible, for Bible quizzing, and then every time I recite it, 
to be dramatic. Yes, yes. It's so more fun that way. We're putting Scott to the test. Yeah, I will be enthusiastic, but maybe not dramatic. <laughs> First Samuel 3 says this, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he, and he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Wow, this is good. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, let's dive in. What do you notice from this potent scripture? This is powerful. I often wonder what, I mean, this is just my brain thinking. <laughs> I often wonder what, <laughs> like, what was Eli thinking? Like, he's sleeping, I imagine. I guess maybe he wasn't sleeping. But he's sleeping, then this boy comes and wakes him up. For for one, when someone wakes me from a from a dead sleep, I'm not very happy. <laughs> so I don't blame Eli for like not knowing that it was the Lord right off the bat because I wouldn't have. Like I would have just been like, "Go go lie down. <laughs> Get away from me." He's a pretty small child, too. Yeah. I mean, people think maybe 7, 8, 9 years old. Right. So I don't know, this is very interesting. Like what is going through Eli's mind at this moment? Like is just does he just think he's an annoying boy? Also, the other thing I wonder is, like, why is Samuel there in the first place? Is he, like, legitimately, I don't know the answer to this. Is he Eli's disciple? Is he Eli's, I don't know, just like his adopted son? Well, let's dive into that. The previous two chapters talk about uh, Hannah that, as a mom, could not become pregnant. She was trying. She wanted children. Um, but she was barren, and God gave her uh, Samuel um, as the firstborn. Actually, I, I love that in chapter 2 it says that she ended up having many other children as well. But God gave Samuel, and part of her vow um, was that Samuel would then be dedicated to the Lord. And what that meant at that time, or at least in her interpretation especially, was I'm literally going to give this— and I, Sounds crazy to, to me, but I'm going to give my son after I've weaned him uh, to the priest at that time. And so that's so he grew up essentially, you know, after his first maybe year or two um, with Eli. Um, just <laughs> good luck if you're Eli, right? Uh, <laughs> thanks. Here's for the this gift. kid. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but he slept there. He lived there. He was supposed to learn the things of the Lord from the priest. I see. So is it? Is it normal that if he was, if let's say he was eight years old, is that normal that they would wait that long to like start teaching the kid? Because I, 
from what I from what little study that I've done under about Judaism is that the every kid would start at a young age like memorizing the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, right? And by the by the time you were twelve, you had all five books memorized. So it seems like at eight, if he still hasn't heard the word of the Lord at eight, you better get cracking because you've got three years, four years to learn <laughs> all five books. Well, and you're getting into something that's very important. Let, let's kind of highlight right there. Verse one, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were uh. not many visions. And then you also have later one night, Eli, verse two, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. Now, you're getting what you've seen in chapter two right before is that Eli has not been the parent, the dad that he needs to be. His kids are priests, his, his boys, Mm -hmm. but they are, I mean, they are taking advantage of the people. They're doing all the things that are absolutely terrible. Um, They're, uh, they're evil. evil. I mean, I was trying not to say that, but they are, (laughs) you know? And, um, and so there's an element here of Eli's, uh, well, physical blindness being the being a metaphor for the spiritual blindness at that time. I always ask, like here it says, visions were rare. You know, the word of God was rare. Was it because God wasn't speaking? Or was mm. it because people weren't seeking him? Was it because there weren't people that were willing to hear and long for his presence and, and then put into practice what they were seeing? So in that context, maybe it shouldn't surprise us that an eight-year-old would still not be able to really perceive the the the, the voice of the Lord. At, on the other side, I would say, who of us at the age of eight would be like, no, I know exactly that the Lord is speaking to me right yeah, now. For real. You know, may, maybe, maybe we would, maybe we would sense that. But in a lot of other uh, times, we would probably, even though if we grew up in a Christian home, we would say, as a child, I don't know what that is. I don't know if I should be thinking this or if this is what my parents were saying or if this is God. And so there's a lot at work here. Something that just caught my attention for the first time is the the first few times that the Lord calls Samuel, he calls him and then Samuel leaves and goes find and goes and finds Eli, talks to him, then goes back. The last time after Eli has told him that it's the Lord calling, it says that the Lord came and stood there like a physical presence. So he was playing hide and seek the first couple times and then it's like, oh, here I am. Well, but it's interesting. <laughs> like to me, I'm I'm thinking because I often relate to Samuel's call. Um, I I feel a lot of similarities in my own call of the way that the Lord spoke to me, and someone else pointed it out that it was the Lord speaking to me. And it's interesting that the moment that Eli tells Samuel that it is the Lord, now the Lord's presence is made aware to Samuel. Mm-hmm. And how often are we as, as pastors, as leaders, as shepherds in the word of God called to point out the things of the Lord to make his presence evident in the lives of those around us? I think that's really, I've never seen that in this scripture. So the, the word is living, people. Amen. <laughs> that's really good. So essentially, in another way to say it, um, when Eli recognized the presence, he allowed Samuel to recognize that presence, to hear the voice in a different way and to see the Lord in a different way. Right. Yeah, I think um, I love 
the image of verse three, where it says the lamp of God had not yet gone out, which tells us it's like still kind of early in the evening, right? Like it, the lamp does go out throughout the evening and then has to be lit again by the priests. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Mm. And I just, I really love that image of exactly what Scott was just saying of the example that he has to follow at this point in time are two very evil priests of the Lord, which are Eli's sons. Eli himself receives a massive judgment from God because Eli did not correct his sons. The The word of God is rare in those days. Like Samuel has nothing to say. I enjoy the power of God in my life. I like every example that has been around him is just corrupt. There, there's nothing there. But, or apathetic. Or apathetic. And I love this example of I think it's really important to note that Eli is the one that is like in his customary place where he's laying down. And Samuel, there's something about the presence of the ark of God in the temple that draws him to be there. Like I can just imagine there's multiple places that Samuel could have been that night. He could, there should have been a bed somewhere, right? Like, like does he sleep in the temple every single day? Maybe, maybe, but like it would be it would stand to reason that he probably had a little room of his own that he could call his own with his, a bed and a chair at least, you know. But he was in the presence of God. Like there was something about, and we know the ark was the presence, the mercy seat is sitting there. And, and being ensconced in the presence, he might have not known what that was. But he was drawn to being in God's presence, even if he didn't know how to recognize it. And I love that. And I think you say that a lot with children. And that's why to me, it's so important that we expose children to not just the gospel, but God that calls to them. God Mm -hmm. that, that says, I have something for you because children are so receptive. Like they don't know how receptive they are. They're just literally living their life. And Samuel's willingness to be in the presence of God this night put him in the right place at the right time, and he was able to hear the word of the Lord when it came to him. That made me think a lot um, of a God who doesn't have limits um, because like, he didn't care of the age or the abilities. Um, he was just calling uh, a kid. He was just calling Samuel. And that made me think a lot, like, what could be Samuel's reaction when, when Eli's said to him, you know, God is the one, like, answer this way. Like, God is the one who is calling me. Maybe Samuel was at this point, like, why is it God calling me? Why is he trying to talk to me? Um, maybe he, he could be in that position. Um, and that makes me think a lot when when we get in that position, when, when God is calling us and we limitate ourselves and we say no it is not possible that god is calling me because of these because mm. i don't have mm. the abilities or i like at this age really but yes god is calling you and what i've seen is when he insists because it was three times is because he really wants to do it through you and he wanted use he wants to use you this is so good natalie i mean if you think about this like there's this unrelenting nature of god that, that, I mean, the person that should have been receiving these visions was Eli, you know, and, and the people nowadays, we would say, we as leaders, pastors, missionaries, we should be seeking his face. We should be receiving visions from God. We should be receiving direction, the word of the Lord. Um, but if, if we're not going to be where we need to be spiritually, 
God will make a way through a child. Mm -hmm. He will make a way through somebody from a different culture. Mm -hmm. He will make a way through someone who's from the wrong side of the tracks, you know? And um, it's just this unrelenting presence of the Lord. The vision, the word of God was rare. That is haunting to me. Why was it rare? Well, he's about to fix it. And three times he persists. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep going until even Eli recognizes me. He has forgotten. He may have been a a priest at some point. I I imagine because he felt called. He was desiring to do this. He had a passion for this, but he's lost that. He has long ago lost that. And so he says, we need a new generation. We need someone else that will listen to my voice and that will respond. And Eli's, I think we would all say Eli's, uh, even with all of his limitations, Eli's uh, advice is pretty good, right? An advice that we could even help children to put into practice nowadays. I I also think about that in context of like, (laughs) Eli wasn't a great mentor, but yet we know that Samuel, he becomes a great prophet. And we, we know the end of the story because there's, the book is literally named after him. Um, <laughs> Andy's got a second one. Yeah, wow. <laughs> he gets a second Sequel. chapter. Uh, so, like, I'm just, I, I just think about this. There are people in my life that I know have formed and shaped me that have not been good examples. Hmm. Um, but yet the Lord can still use me and even use the lessons that I've learned under those people. Would I prefer a great mentor that I learned good lessons from? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, the Lord can still shape and form someone in the midst of bad mentorship. Mm -hmm. So two things about that. One, it gives me freedom as a mentee to feel trust in what the Lord is shaping me. Trust the Holy Spirit. If I'm seeking the Holy Spirit over my mentor's approval, then I'm moving in the right direction. The Mm -hmm. other thing, as a mentor... It gives me freedom to trust the process a little more, that the, that the Holy Spirit is infused in the process and that I can't mess up my mentee if I'm seeking the Holy Spirit. I think that is an important lesson. Well, that takes us to, to the final part, and I won't read the, the whole part, but <laughs> imagine this powerful moment, and he says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The message ends up being a one, one of judgment on Eli and on his sons. I mean, for an eight-year-old to say, Oh, that's pretty heavy. I mean, I'm going to have to go to my, my mentor and to say, Here's the message. It's not really great news. Uh, for you especially. <laughs> um, and, and then after that, it picks up in 15, and it says, Samuel lay down after, after he received that word until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. Well, that made Samuel... Probably scared. Um, (laughs) So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Side note, I read that many times growing up and just was like, well, Eli is just saying, may the Lord's will be done. 
But part of me says, if if I receive a word of the Lord saying judgment's coming on your house, I'm not just going to be passive, apathetic, like, okay, well, whatever the Lord wants to, I'm going to do yeah. everything I can to say, Lord, we repent. We're going to make this right. But Eli still doesn't do that. So then it ends here, 19 through 21. And these are so important. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. Listen to this. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Do you see the contrast from from the end of the chapter to the start of the chapter? Oh, the word of God was rare. There were no visions, you know. And then at the end, the Lord continued to appear, and there he revealed himself time and again to Samuel through his word. It's like, wow, what a change. And through this attentive boy. Yeah. And I think that um, a big part of the verses that we didn't read 11 through 14 is that Eli had received this message from God already. Hmm. Like it literally says Hmm. in 12, at that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about his sons blaspheme God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Mm-hmm. The word of the Lord was rare, but it was not non-existent. And Eli had heard the word of the Lord and he was not responsive to it. Mm-hmm. He knew that his sin- sons were sinning. And I do think that he was probably offering sacrifices and atonement, trying to atone for the sins of his, of his sons. And God said, I will not receive this offering. But like Eli did not go to his sons and have authority over mm-hmm. them. And so it like got to this point where God was like, I'm not receiving your sacrifice anymore, Eli. Like, I've already talked to you about this, and you have decided to stay in sin. And, like, that is a dangerous place to be when you say, I am a part of God's church and a Christian, and I am deciding to stay in sin. And Samuel is the one that, that, and I think that's what provokes his, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. I think there was finally, like, this knowledge and, and recognition of, like, yeah, I've heard this before. Like, this isn't new. This isn't new. I was actually kind of waiting to see when it was all going to unfold. And if you want the end of the story, you can continue reading through the next <laughs> chapters, right? But um, yeah, Eli is receiving the first prophecy from Samuel, who goes down in history as one of the greatest prophets of, of God's people, right? And um Man, I just think God's word is always around, but what are we going to do with it? Like God will point out sin in our life. And I think there's a lot of people that are like fine and want to be comfortable with sin in their life and be like, but God's still going to accept me. God's Mm -hmm. still going to accept my offering. And this story tells us, God says at this point, this should like put us on our, uh, on edge, right? The guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering Mm -hmm. and praise the Lord for Jesus Christ, right? Like, like at this point Mm -hmm. when we feel as though, man, we, that's, that's a God that scares me. I can hear people listening to that and be like, I don't want to serve a God like that. That's a God that scares me. It's like, yeah, that's why we need the perfect sacrifice. That's why we need to claim the blood of Jesus Christ over these sins, but turn from your sin. Do not sit in sin. Eli sat in sin and he seemed to be okay with it or something like we don't know the backstory, 
but it took Samuel, who's this fresh, new little boy that can hear God's word again. And he heard the same message that Eli did, and he was obedient and responsive to it. Those are the differences that, like, that I can see. Eli had received this message. He knew that God was going to do this, and it didn't change anything, apparently. Like, let God's message change us. So this is so, so good, um, Emily. So what is, how does this text, thinking about application, putting into practice, how does this text speak to the people that are listening to this podcast, to our region, to, to the church nowadays? I think when we think about uh, children's ministry, I think there's a lot to be said here. I think, I mean, we talked a lot about how bad of a mentor Eli was and how bad of a priest he was. Um, but I think there's a lot uh, that we can learn from all of that, and especially how we deal with children in ministry. Um, I think of, well, I mean, first of all, Eli didn't expose Samuel to the word of the Lord and at a young age. And, I mean, that's the first thing we can do is expose children from the very beginning to the word, right, and let God speak to them. But still, Eli recognized that the Lord was speaking to Samuel. He knew that the Lord was speaking and encouraged Samuel to listen, to to be obedient, contrary to what Eli was doing, which was not being obedient. But he encouraged Samuel to be obedient. But then at the end that we just read, he was like, Eli was like, okay, tell me what the Lord said. Where I think a lot of times I have seen in churches, like we kind of push children to the side and we we hear, we listen to what they say, but we don't hear what they say. You know, like we're not willing to take in how, how a child can teach us about God. And uh, in this moment, Eli's like, you better tell me right now what the Lord said. And it wasn't something he wanted to hear, but then he was like, let the Lord's will be done. Um, and so I think that's another lesson we can learn from about dealing with children is like they have, they receive the word of the Lord. Also, God speaks to children and God can use children to speak to us, to adults and to teach us. That's just a couple things that I think we can learn from Eli's bad example, but a couple things that he does right and how to, how to use children in ministry. And to just add on to that in, in our, in my ministry right now, um, we are realizing that we don't have ministry with children. And I want to clarify that I use the word with because we have a lot of ministry to children. Um, almost every missional event that we do in our area includes children in some capacity. But we don't currently have any where we are asking the children to minister alongside of us. And we've noticed that that, that is an issue because just like we've talked in past episodes, like, people recognize their call when they are exposed to activities or actions where they're able to serve, uh, whether that's in preaching or um, missional events, mobilization events. Um, and so we are, we are working in my, in my ministry to, to include kids in the team that is ministering, not just being ministered to. 
Yeah, I can appreciate so much of like the application of this. We actually tend to use this passage a lot when we're talking to kids um, of like, just because you're a child, don't think that God doesn't speak to you. And I take a lot of hope in verse 19, where it says the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. I think um, when we have a positive message to share and when it's God's message, God is the one that allows those words to have fruit. And um, I love to think of Samuel as the, the tradition tells us, like Scott said, he was eight, nine. And like from this moment of obedience, God allows him to be seen as somebody to be honored. And like it's because of God going before him, God being with him, God feeding him the words that he says. And um, I think there are children that have gifting that, that needs to be recognized more that um, we would be a stronger church we would be a stronger church if we allowed children to have a, a wider space and recognize some of the Samuels that are in our midst. And this is also what I see, that Samuel was, he had the correct attitude of a servant who is willing to obey, as you said, and he was available to, to obey the, the calling. And like he didn't think about too many things. He was just, okay, here I am. Right. Focused. Like, yeah, focused. This passage is super important. I know that Emily and I have, uh, <laughs> on home assignment, we are invited to be with all age groups. And uh, this is one that we specifically use when we're with children uh, to help teach them, wow, we're really good at complicating things in the church sometimes, you know, and what is salvation and what does this need to, you know, and, and sometimes a very basic thing that we can help our children to learn is to just react whenever they're sensing God might be speaking to them to just say, speak, Lord. I, I love that. Continue to speak, you know, <laughs> speak, Lord. Okay. Your servant is listening. Not just I am listening, your servant. I'm being a servant means I'm willing to obey. When you do speak, I'm listening and I'm also willing to obey. I'm willing to serve you. Man, if our children can have that perspective and that focus um, and that longing of their heart, we're going to see many more that don't have their words fall to the ground. Many more that God uses. And maybe to correct some of us, maybe to correct some of the church that has lost its way, you know? Um, wow. I think we need to probably call this to a close a little bit, but um, Emily, if other people have stuff, we have not highlighted everything. Maybe they want to <laughs> say, no, I, I see this as well, or I really liked what you said about this, and I hadn't seen that in the passage. Uh, where can they get a hold of us? Come to us on the Worthless Servants Facebook page. You can also find us on MesoamericaGenesis.org on the podcast tab. You can find all of these podcasts plus a way to contact us if you'd like to send us a message. I really like these scripture spotlights. I hope you all do as well. And uh, with that, we are the Worthless Servants. And I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm Chelsea Fry. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.